Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What do you do when you have a loved one who struggles with mental health or addiction issues? What I can recommend to you is you give us a call at Cash Centers. We're in network with most insurance providers. We're also out of network with a bunch of insurance providers. And even if your loved one or you is not appropriate for us, we will make a recommendation in your local city or hometown with the extensive resources that we have. So go to castcenters.com. That's C-A-S-T, centers.com. Check us out, give us a call, and we'll help you find the right resources. Okay, this is something that my guest today on Always Evolving is someone where I guarantee you've had this to some degree, and that is a parent in your life. (laughs) So nobody has gone through life without a parent. And man, oh man, are there hundreds of thousands of different parenting strategies and do this, don't do this. This is how you parent. That's bad parenting. And especially in today's time, there seems to be so many different theories. And I have Donna Tritalt. Did I say Tritalt night? I didn't say it right, Donna. How do you say your last name? Tatro, French like Renault. Donna <laughs> Trato. <laughs> no, I, I mean, everything. every time I see it, I'm using like the American version of it. But Donna's a friend of mine, even though I can't pronounce her last <laughs> name okay. properly. And I wanted to have you on because you have written a book called The Castle Method. You use evidence-based practices to figure out what are the best strategies for building resilient children into healthy adults. And so, like I said, we've all had parenting. So tell me, what what are the key? How did you even end up in this? So I was a teacher. And then a general assignment reporter in Los Angeles for many years, working for NBC, CNN, CBS. And then I had my two boys who are now 14 and 15 years old. And I decided to go specifically into niche parenting reporting just to learn how to be a better parent Mm. myself and to educate myself. And it kind of evolved into me becoming a parenting journalist and author and speaker and educator and... Look, it's hard to be a parent. I'm in it right now, and I know. So the CASTLE method is really an acronym used as a metaphor to build the CASTLE, the family of your dreams. Not the perfect family, but the best version of your unique family. I've thought for a while that people, I mean, I don't think it's possible or ever will be possible that before people are parents, they should have to take a test. Or, I mean, we need an, we need education, big education, looking at finances, parenting, 
you know, a lot of people get married and have kids and they don't realize until they have kids, they have completely different alignment in terms of what they believe proper parenting is, right? Absolutely. So if you were to rate your mom and your dad separately from a one to 10 with, in terms of what you've now realized with parenting, how would you rate them? So I would rate them. Are they still alive? My mom passed of Parkinson's when my son was, uh, two kids were in preschool. My dad is still alive. So your dad, you can be honest or can't? Uh, I can totally be <laughs> honest. Look, here's the deal. I will rate them a 10 in love, unconditional love. But when it comes to the practices of how to manage emotions, you know, healthy mental health practices, that was not something our parents we're focusing on. We didn't have this information. And so I think my parents did a great job, had five kids, Italian Catholic family, chaos ensued, but you know, it was a good, happy family. But I think there's a lot that parents can learn and educate themselves about now that we know that our parents didn't know. Like what? Okay. So you, you don't learn about managing your emotions. And if you don't feel like you can manage your own emotions as a parent, you can't model it and practice it, your kid's not going to be able to do it. And then it goes out into, they go out into the world and they can't deal in meetings, work meetings, relationships, whatever. Mm. Our job as parents is to try to help our kids, yes, graduate into adulthood, but in a healthy way. Right. And so it's really focusing, the Castle Method really focuses on evidence about compassion, the research on compassion, acceptance, interestingly, acceptance, even if a child perceives rejection by a parent, it changes the brain. So knowing this, having this awareness, we're able to think about how we accept our child for who they are, Mm. not for who we want them to be. Right. Compassion. So it's having compassion for the child. And for yourself, here's an example. My 15-year-old son, ninth grader, we have been talking about compassion and empathy in our family because of my research. And just, I don't know, about a month ago, we were having a discussion. We were not in agreement. Teenager, you know, we said, fine, take your space. I'll take my space. Kid comes back to me and he says about a couple hours later, here's what I want to explain to you about why my behavior was this way explains it to me. And then he says to me, mom, I need more compassion from you. Mm. Just to be able to have that conversation, that awareness, that's what we're looking for. We're not looking for this perfect solution. Yeah. I'm a parenting journalist and educator. I still have to focus and deal with what's going on with my kids. I'm not perfect. So having this openness with my sons and my husband learning how to be compassionate um, makes makes all the difference and bonds us and makes us stronger. So the C is compassion, the A is acceptance, the S is... Security, emotional security, not just physical security. So how do you provide that emotional security? You know, Mm. These really seem like also strategies just for friendships, relationships of any kind. Absolutely. And I talk about this more as a book about family and not parenting, because I have to learn how to have acceptance for my husband. He's got to learn acceptance Mm -hmm. for me. All of these strategies, these are like concepts. So I'm not saying to you, you have to do this. Instead, when you have conflict with kid or, or husband, 
go to compassion first and then see where it leads you. So it's like a, it's a mindset. Mm. The T. Trust. We got to trust our kids. And this helicopter parenting that we're doing isn't working. CDC just came out with this new report. One in three girls in the United States have thought about suicide. Mm. something's not working. We've got to trust our kids. We've got to trust them to trust themselves, their inner beings. And so trust is really important. The L is love. Love, unconditional love. And you think that we give love, but we have to learn how to unconditionally love our kids. And the E? Is expectations and education. So expectations in the sense of not what I expect you to do, kid, but I'm going to expect joy in your life. You're going to expect joy in my life. Positive psychology is teaching us more and more about expecting joy in our lives. What I really like about what you're describing is, is there concepts that are healthy strategies that we all can really identify, relate to, like, as you're talking to me, it's it's just making me think about, and and I'm curious your opinion, and it could be a little controversial, but (laughs) it's really interesting to me because I have friends who have kids and the kids have to start attending church without even asking their kid if the kid enjoys church. And I know a lot of kids don't even want to go to church, but they have to go to church. And if they go to church, then they're going to be able to play Fortnite or whatever, right? Like, They're going to get some reward. And I understand that parents really want to put their own spiritual beliefs on their children. But then I've worked with so many people later in life that battled life in a lot of ways because of this almost bizarre thing where in in their home life, it was a bit chaotic, but then they show a certain face in church there's this God, does the God punish them? And it's really confusing. And it's interesting because I don't know how often parents let the choice be to their kids. Such a good question and so important. And I think this generation's generation of kids is so smart, so enlightened. And I talk a lot about spirituality inside of the book and not necessarily meaning an institutionalized religion. We know from research, spirituality or a sense of the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, mindfulness is critical to the development of a kid. And it actually helps kid relate in life and has positive outcomes. But what you're saying is, I grew up in an Italian Catholic family. We had to go to church. But within my family, I had a faith. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like this institution was pushed on me. It was more about a faith in God. Or I could have at that point, I don't know if I could have gotten away with calling it the universe with my parents, (laughs) but knowing that there's something more than us and not forcing it on. But I I hear you. I mean, I think there's that conflict. Yeah. Like I, I, as a kid, I remember I played with a basketball court in our backyard and I used to play basketball and I kind of felt this presence of something bigger than me. And it just felt, I felt connected in eighth grade. My parents had me go to St. John the Baptist school up until that point. I had never attended church. I had never had any 
I mean, we had Passover, Hanukkah. We also celebrate Christmas, but it was agnostic. Like there was no religion. So I go to St. John the Baptist where, you know, I'm wearing a school uniform, you know, it goes from freedom <laughs> of, which is interesting to me because this idea of like, let's let people express who they are. No, let's put them in uniforms. Let's use the excuse that it really prevents issues. But then you're like, okay, well, where's the self-expression in this, right? They get to tie their shoelaces in colors. I don't know how I feel about it, but right. then I went to a high school called modern day high school. It's I know modern day. A captain of the basketball team there for two years, one with the homecoming queen, vice president. And in that school, one of the courses was religion. And the religion course, we were graded. Literally, part of the grade was whether or not being gay was a sin. Yep. And so to me, it was like kind of jarring because I didn't really, I mean, I knew at the time when I was growing up that you know, being gay, it wasn't accepted, but the, like, there was no, there was no messaging from this God out there that yeah. this God was anti. Right. And, and I'm grateful that I only started going to private school in eighth grade. I'm grateful it didn't start in kindergarten or elementary school because I think it would have really, really, I mean, even though I got addicted to drugs and did a lot of things, it, it would have damaged my self-esteem even more. And because the teachings, unless the teachings are extremely open-minded, unless your kid fits those exact parameters, it can actually be harmful. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the messaging you were getting was, you're bad. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And it's, it's that's where the rejection changes the brain. Even now, so the Modern Day High School sends me an email. You know, the, the largest Catholic school on the yeah, West Coast. So they sent me an email wanting donations. I said, I'll donate to um, help someone, scholarship someone there that's that's a gay dude. You know, they said, we don't do that. So I could literally help band members. I could help different ethnicities. I could help people who want to pursue religious studies. But if I want to help someone that like, you know, in giving back, yeah. I can't still to this day. It's okay. I'm not, it, it is what it is. But it's really interesting because when I think about parenting, I also think about parents put on one hand, it's really healthy that you found for this a spiritual connection. But on the other hand, it doesn't necessarily give the kid the route of what spiritual direction they want when they have to do things, right? Well, when you force and have to do, but as a family, you have a value system, right? And so what's that value system? If it's not religious, you go through spirituality, mindfulness, mm -hmm. mindfulness can help the kid. And so it's more about if your value system is not around religion and you don't believe in a God or the universe, then go to mindfulness. And that's what we, I, I talk about in the book. It doesn't have to be so rigid. Mm. Um, I think my two boys who go to private school, but not private Catholic school, we go to church. They have a relationship with God. They talk to me about, yeah, I don't really buy into this, what the Catholic church is saying. And I'm like, I get it. I don't really either. This is about your journey with God. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's more about, like you said, introducing and having a value system, but not putting it on the kid that this is the way you have to think. Yeah. Like I, and this is again, controversial, but I, I, in Miami, I have a place in Bell Harbor and there's a lot of Hasidic Jews. Okay. 
And there's no choice. No choice. You're no. going to be that's right. Dressed up. That's right. In a suit. And I don't there, there's a lot of rules and policies, but there's no freedom of choice. And I'm I've just always been curious. I'm like, do people like that? Like, like, do people fight back against that? Because I don't meet that many, I don't meet that many, for example, adult who say I grew up as a Hasidic Jew. I haven't no, met I haven't. a lot. Yeah, I haven't either. But it's also kind of the forcing, if you look at other realms of of the child's life, mm. forcing of Sports. we have academic achievement pressure. That is the number one pressure stressor for our kids. So you're basically saying, if you don't get straight A's, you're not worthy. This is the issue. We have to allow our kid to unfold as they are. And if they want to go for the straight A's, go for it, support it. If your kid is not that kid, acknowledge it, understand it. Is there a learning difference? Is there yeah. other interests they're involved in? It's it's gotten to the point where it becomes child is kind of this arm of parent. And no, child is a unique individual. Do you think that's changed? I think that there's an awareness, but the helicoptering has not stopped. It, it is, it's, and that's why we have so much stress with our kids. Mm. Parents need to back up. The trust aspect in my book is trust that your kid knows his path. Follow your kid's path. Of course, you're going to, you're going to educate. You're going to, you know, give experiences and exposure, but your job is to watch them unfold, not do, to direct. What do you think is, what did you find has changed in today's world of parenting versus maybe 20 years ago so that when people are parents today, they go, well, it's different today. I didn't realize there's a bigger pressure for this or there's more challenges with that or. Well, I think the landscape of technology and social media has, has puts just a pressure on our kids. Unlike we can't even understand. I can't understand. I think that the violence that they're subjected to, I think the bullying We've, we see this over and over again in the news. This is not something that we can just say, oh, no, not my kid. My boys, you know, we've got rules about technology because we know it's not about having the will to be able to go mm. off technology. So there are certain things that as parents we have to do that our parents didn't even, there was, you know, it wasn't even there. Yeah. Do, do you find, because I kind of... uh you know, parenting is so broad and there's, uh, you know, like my brother and his wife just had a kid Help. and okay. uh, the kids, uh, I think he's like, oh my God, I should know, but he's, he's maybe a year and a half or something. So cute. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go really baby. cute. Little baby. baby. Yeah. And you know, they, they obviously parents do a lot of research and then by the time the kid, like at what I know someone should read the castle method at any age of being a parent, but I have to, and I, I have to imagine there's, there's a certain type of parent that you find really latches onto this. Mm -hmm. What it's more. So it's more of a compassionate, gentle, conscious parenting. So what we're looking at is the child as an individual, not somebody that I have to direct. So really looking at this kid for who they are. I was just at a talk, the Curtis School, and one of the moms said to me, I want my kid to play sports. 
I, I, I think I should force my kid to play sports. You know, it, it builds team and this and that. And I said, okay, stop just one minute. What does your kid like? Well, he plays chess and he does the robotics team. And I said, so why do you feel that he needs to do sports if he is directing himself toward chess and robotics, which are team sports, and there's the, the team building? Yeah. What it, well, I just don't want him to be made fun of. So it's one of these things where it's like they're trying to direct. Just mm. allow the unfolding. Kid doesn't like sports now. Maybe he'll like it later. But what does it have to do with you? Yeah. Right? <clears throat> it's getting to really look at the kid for who they are. And, and the intention was good. I want him to be able to have team building and things like this. But you're not looking at how he's making relationships within what he's enjoying and doing and feels the joy from. Yeah. It's it's interesting because I, I think back again. I just modern day high school where football and basketball and all these sports and they're so important and and there's so much energy that goes into it. And and granted, it does teach a lot of life lessons in sure. it. Sure. Yeah. But you also look at it and you go, okay, well, if there's practice two to three hours a day, I don't know. That's fifteen hours, you know, a, a week spent on this sport, on this team. And, you know, if, if someone really doesn't enjoy the sport or the team, you know, their, their time's much better spent doing something else, For but sure. it's, but there's a lot of parents who are kind of living through their kids, right? For sure. I mean, I'm on the sidelines of baseball for years with my two boys and now golf. And what you see is that you can see the kids who are enjoying it and who it's intrinsic to them, and they want to be there. Yeah. And so what you want to go for is what's intrinsic to the child, whatever that is, and just allow and support and support. And I think that parents get caught up. I mean, I, I have these two kids who are in eighth and ninth grade, and I've got parents who are talking to me about their kids' sports careers. Their kids, let them unfold and see what happens. It's almost like there's a fear that if my kid's not going to be successful, but then now what we're seeing is they're not able to get out into the real world in college and kind of fend for themselves. So it's, again, trusting your kid that they are in their own path and they're finding their way and they don't have to have this line, this perfect line of we're going to go this route and then they can't change. Why can't, and the, this whole idea of quitting why can't a kid just change course and maybe go back to something else? It's about reframing, <clears throat> rethinking about the kid's journey. Yeah. You know, we've, it's interesting because I'll hire therapists here, right? And mm -hmm. they'll go to different universities. And we at CAST have never looked at someone. I mean, it's impressive if someone went to Harvard. You're like, wow, that person's, yeah. they must be really smart and disciplined, right. right? But it doesn't mean they're a great clinician. You know, they could be, and we've, we've hired people in the past who've had academic wild success and they're not great therapists, you know, they're not great clinicians. And so it's almost this facade as well, that if you go to this school, that somehow it's more destined to create the career you want. Whereas I'll get someone from like a junior college who didn't go to a good academic university and they crush it for us. <laughs> right, They're right. exceptional. But people, I think that pressure, this idea, and I think it, it's certain cultures. For 
I think certain cultures have created this narrative around, I'm a proud parent if my son or daughter go to, you know, Pepperdine or UCLA or USC. But then depending on the course that they're taking in their career, it doesn't really matter. If you go to radio and broadcasting, at the end of the day, like at all these schools, at the end of the day, it's, it's you putting your energy out and how great you are at what you do. You know, it'd be like someone going to journalism at Harvard and trying to go on television. Right. We've seen it. Yeah, for sure. Disaster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's so interesting because I think that this trend of gentle parenting that is happening, and I think it's coming because post-pandemic, all of the mental health issues that parents are way more in tune and want to learn these skills toward, let me pull myself back and see Kit for who he is, who she is, who they are. And so I think the trend is moving that way, but I still think we have a lot of work to do because the schools, like you're talking about the institutions are still promoting this kind of going away from listening to what's inside. Mm. And I think that, I think that that's the thing. Our parents didn't, weren't really involved, right? They were just like, go out and play, do your thing. They were doing their own thing. So there's that kind of, that was good. And then the shift that kind of happened was like just so much concern and helicoptering. We need to kind of find this middle ground where, yeah, of course, as a parent, you have to like lead. You're the leader of the family. But then what do good leaders do? Mm -hmm. They allow the people below them to be who they're supposed to be. Yeah. You know, uh, my friend's a teacher at a private school, grew up with her and she was talking to me about how frustrated she is right now as a teacher, how different it's become. She said in over 10 years and at the private school, they were dresses and she told one of the girls, when you sit on this bench, make sure you tuck your dress under. Like, make sure you basically sit a certain style of weight because she, otherwise, it's just, she was giving her advice. She went to private school. She was just suggesting, hey, when you sit on the bench, you may want to sit this way just to. Okay. A parent came at her. She had to have a meeting with the the dean of the school. She literally was like scolded. And her intention was just so guys or whatever wouldn't right. see what she was seeing right? and trying to help her out because she was at the school. And she said that used to never happen. She said that never happened before. No. And, and that, that is an issue with parents not allowing teachers and administrators to kind of do their job. Have they lost trust? Do you think? I think they've lost trust, but I also think that parents are seriously consumed with their kids. And this is the problem is that kids have to learn how to manage their own life, fix their own problems. Parents can't keep stepping in. Like who knows what the scenario was. Did this kid go to parent and say, teacher told me this X, Y, and Z. I don't like that the teacher told me this. So parent then says, I'm going to solve this problem for you. Who knows if this is a scenario, but that's where you parent get out of the way. Right. Get out of the way. So parent might say, oh, why did the teacher say that to you? Do you think the teacher was trying to help you? Why don't you go ask teacher why teacher was saying this to you? Why don't yeah. you go try to work this out? 
This is the issue, the helicoptering and this not allowing the trust and allowing kid to just live and learn, make mistakes, grow, evolve, know that this is part of your journey, part of your path. Doesn't, doesn't it require a parent to be really interested in self-reflection and looking with, yeah. And, and isn't that probably the overarching issue is people who will not look within themselves to see their part and why they're in whatever situation. And they just kind of want to get immediately. I mean, we see it on social media. You see it even with people in the workplace, right? It's just kind of blaming other people instead of going, hold on a second. What could I have done differently? And what, how am I contributing to the problem? And what did you find was kind of the difference of like single family homes versus married homes so it's it's interesting because the what the research shows is that one present parent makes the difference it doesn't matter what family you come from Mm. one parent who is present who is there that child can understand and know unconditional love from meaning that the acceptance is there so when we went back to that woman that at the school that i spoke to She has to accept her child for who that child is in this moment right now, not what you wish him to be. And the interesting thing about when you were talking about how parents need to be more reflective, it's looking at what you didn't get as a kid, reparenting yourself, acknowledging I didn't get this Mm. and I want to give this to my kids. So the compassionate part, of course, I got compassion from my parents, but to be able to have a conversation and my kid come to me and say, I need more compassion from you based on this. I'm saying to my, and I said to my son, I will give you more. I see what you're saying, Jackie. I will, I, I, I will, I'm working on it. So understanding that I'm evolving as a parent, I'm learning and growing and we're, we're going to do this together. Mm. Being really aware of your flaws as a parent, because none of us is perfect. Right. It almost seems like this this model could be helpful. I'm thinking as being a boss here at you know cast centers. I think I don't carry all these characteristics, but I think they're actually really helpful in terms of like being compassionate. You know, sometimes I have this thinking where I'm thinking, well, this is your job; it's your duty. And that's no different than a parent going, this is your job or duty as a kid, right? And accepting where someone's at and where they're, you know, what's going on for them. What was the S? Security. 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 That's right. Making people feel safe. Emotional security. Trusting what they say. Trust, giving them the opportunity to trust themselves and for you to trust them. And what's interesting about compassion, when you think about compassion, compassion is empathy putting yourself in somebody else's shoes, but compassion takes it a step further in wanting to alleviate the suffering of another, not fix the suffering of the other. So when you give compassion to another person, you're saying, I'm putting myself in your shoes. Yeah. And how can I help you help yourself? Again, we don't want to fix our problems for our kids. Do you ask them, do you say, how can I be more compassionate towards you? Oh, for sure. Sophia, how can I be more compassionate towards you? I love this. I think you're doing my job. I feel like I get moody. But it's kind of 
comes, okay. Comes and goes. Comes and goes. Maybe, you know, you're going through something. You know, I don't take it personal. I think I, I think I have the opposite of parents where I do too much self-reflecting and overthinking <laughs> that like I need I'm to so do like better, right? So, like yes, that yes, somehow yes. I'm creating, it's yes. my, like I, that would be my issue. Like I'm on the other end of um, reflecting too much on. Well, okay. So there you go. You need to practice self-compassion. Yeah. And we talk about, I talk about that in the book as well. I, ha- when, when my son said that to me, my first reaction to me, we were in my bathroom. I was sitting on the tub. He was like doing his hair. I was sitting there and I was thinking, oh my God, I'm failing. I'm failing. And then I quickly went to what I have been practicing for years now, self-compassion. And I said, be gentle with yourself. You're doing the best you can. I know this in my heart. You're doing the best you can. You're not the perfect person. Yeah. So- providing yourself with self-compassion is the number one thing is to start with. And that's how you can give compassion to somebody else. I imagine too, this, this is a helpful book for parents to give to other future, like grandparents to give to, you know, their, their sons or daughters who are now parents. (laughs) But what, what resistance have you found in coming out with something? Like I know when I've written a few books, like, for example, best self, people are like, the concept's too simple. It's redundant. I'm like, yeah, but no one came up with it, right? Like, <laughs> right. like exactly. Exactly. I created it from years of doing work, but there's always like a bit of a resistance or challenge. What's been kind of the resistance you've faced Look, as you've I, gone into schools? and? Yeah, I, I think what it is, is parents not wanting to kind of let go and kind of go into this more gentle parenting concept this gentle parenting concept has been around. It's, it's was very more niche, but I think that it's kind of like parents want to say, you know, I'm in charge. And to a degree you are, there's that leader part that we talked about, but I have to toughen up my kid because the world's tough out there. But we're, we're kind of posing this toxic masculinity that our, our boys, they can't feel their emotions. So there's kind of that that backlash of, you know, I'm going to make my boy, I'm going to make my kids strong, but they're not understanding that the research doesn't indicate that anymore. The research is clear that when we allow our boys to express their feelings, all of their emotions, all of the uncomfortable ones, they're going to be more healthy in the world instead Mm. of suppressing. So that's kind of that pushback. Not everybody's completely caught up to that. Mm. When when you say gentle parenting, I know some people could be like, is that woke parenting? No, 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 no. Gentle parenting is really just looking at your kid as a unique individual, even in the tiniest state, the youngest state of being a person, an individual, not somebody that you're lording over mm. to direct and make sure that that you're going to produce this person. Mm. No, no, no. You're looking at this person who is going to become the person they are supposed to become. Do, do you coach other parents? Like do parents ever hire you to, to coach them? Not yet. Do you want to? <laughs> I would love to, because I feel like when I go to these talks, these parents want to talk and talk and talk and, and say, what would you do in this scenario? And so what I like to say to parents is, 
look, let's brainstorm. What would you do? You know your kid. What do you think? How how would you? I want to empower parents. I don't want to say, parents, you got to just do this, 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 and this. And it's not intrinsic to them and their family and their value system, their culture. Right. You have to like empower people to be able to do this yeah. work. Because the reason I say that too is I found the more television and writing books, the more I was kind of like speaking about it, but less connected to the roots of why I do what I do, which really brings me to life and creates a lot of inspiration and uh, is my expertise. And so like, you know, I've, I've been dipping way more into even for free often. Like I have a meeting today in three hours to help these two women with their business and how to shape it, development, the strategy. And I'm doing it for free, right? I yeah, just happen yeah. to like them. And and it really fuels inspiration for me because instead of me talking to people, even though I have a wide range, because I've been doing this for over 20 years, right? Yeah. From mental health to business, right. I want to be more in that interactive place. And so I'm really making an effort to do that. And as you're talking to me, I'm thinking, well, why aren't you coaching and developing like a, a whole coaching practice on parenting, I, I I can think of I can think of one person in particular who called me a few months ago in total crisis and chaos. And I only think the reason I didn't think of you is I didn't think you would coach. But it sounds like that's really what you'd be down to do. For sure. I mean, I my first career was as a teacher. I'm a teacher. That's how I see myself as a teacher. And anybody who wants to understand these concepts, I will teach you. Because look, I went to this because my mom passed. She was my, in my mind, she was going to be my teacher to, you know, help me through this. And of course, as a journalist, I was going to research the hell out of it because it's who I am. But it was for me to try to become the best parent I could be. And then, you know, with my husband as well. I mean, I didn't learn how to be a couple. Who learns how to be a couple in a marriage? So just trying to have the happiest, healthiest family I could have. And I I want, I want to see my boys thrive without me, Mm. without me taking the credit for it. Like just be who they're supposed to be in this world. Mm -hmm. So, so how do people find you? Like is it a website? Yeah, they can find me at DonnaTatro.com. Which is, it doesn't, isn't spelled out at all how it sounds. (laughs) It's so French, French Canadian. Yeah. Donna, T E T R E A U L T dot com. And then I do a lot of segments on NBC. And yeah, you could find me on Instagram at Donna Tatro. Cool. Donna Tatro. Well, if you're listening to this and you have a loved one who's soon to be a parent or you're a parent and you're feeling overwhelmed, pick up the Castle Method by Donna. I can't even say it right. T A Y T R O T. Tro. By Donna Tatro. You got it. <laughs> oh, I keep wanting to say Trey Talk. I know because Donna it's the Tray-tow. way it looks. Yeah. It's the way it looks. Um <laughs> and and also if you if you're really needing some uh Donna has agreed, you know, if if you're looking for some coaching as well, hit her up and oh maybe gosh, she can provide you, some yeah. coaching. So if you like this podcast, let me know. Please share it. I removed for the most part all the ads off these podcasts under a what I would love reciprocity wise is you share it um, so that you don't have to listen to so many ads, you know, but Donna, thanks for sending down me a day. 
Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun to talk to you. All right. Well, we're always evolving. Till next time, keep it magical.